episode 35. Creative writing podcast, baby, get it on. Yeah. All right, well, hey, listen, man, this is episode 35 of Creative Writing Podcast. There's a few things going on right now. Listen up. Listen closely. This week has been pretty crazy. We all have crazy weeks in our lives. I mean, this past couple weeks have been crazy for me. I've had a work deadline. I have a life deadline coming up in my personal biz. Not a whole bunch of stuff going on in the motorcycle sphere uh, as of right now. And I'm um, sorry you can hear my notes rustling around. There's there's a bunch of junk, all right? Like last week's episode, I didn't get to get to a bunch of stuff because some funky butt nut was like yammering on, blah, 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 on the microphone. Uh, whoops. Well, that was me. <laughs> sorry about that. I did have a wonderful guest that uh, hung out with us for a little while, and that was so cool to hear. So I apologize for not getting to a few things last weekend that probably would have been helpful in case you wanted to do them this weekend. You know what I'm saying? So here's what's going on. It's like going to be 125 bajillion degrees. My AC is on. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's 11 o'clock at night. That's another thing. It's very late to be recording a podcast. I was kind of waiting on somebody... Maybe see if somebody was going to show up and uh, kind of get in the groove here with us tonight, but it's not happening. So, yeah. So I'm recording super late at night. Everyone's asleep. The AC's on. I got a crazy work deadline tomorrow. And uh, what am I going to say? Hey, first thing I want to say is if my wife is listening to this episode, episode 35, baby. Happy 10-year anniversary, hon. All right, all right, all right. Getting that out of the way. Another thing I want to talk about is what I did this week on my motorcycleto, baby. And a couple other things that are happening in this weekend and in the next couple weekends that you may want to get your fingers into, get your uh, juicy fangs into, get your greasy paws all over, get your slap sticks on. Come on. What's another euphemism for, for hand? Finger. All right. Anyway. So I got the noise gate turned up real high because my AC's on, and you're going to hear it humming there in the background. Hopefully it doesn't come through too bad in the final editing, but hey, it's better than recording in a bunker, which is like basically what we were doing when I was on the stock is for Squares podcast, both of us in some very seedy underground uh, sort of locations. So hey, so this week, what did I did? Well, my bike's been running really rich, and it's not been getting the 80 miles per gallon that I'm really used to. I'm, of course, I'm talking about my 250, my other bikes. None of my other bikes get that good of gas mileage. But anyway, uh, I noticed the last few times I rode it also, it was getting pretty, uh, well, it's a little stinky, and it wasn't just, you know, gassing out, evaporative stuff coming out of the tank, or out of the cap, rather. It, it You know, I could smell it in the exhaust, and I could kind of smell it when I shut the bike off. It smelled gassy. Something was up, man. And uh, running, you know, I would say it's not a factory air filter on there. It's a little bit thicker than factory, but I never had problems with it before. I started using the vacuum uh, like a primary because there's no real on-off on the petcock. It's like, you know, it's vacuum-operated, so it's either on the primary or the on or reserve. There's like literally no off. And when I used to run it without the vacuum pull on there, I just stick a little vacuum cap on there. And no problemo, man. And I was getting wonderful gas mileage. Um, still started up like a dream with the choke on. Um, you know, I don't know. It didn't have any problems. And then recently putting the vacuum back on it. Um, I mean, it's been on there for a while now. 
I did not have any problems for quite a while, and it's only recently that I that I realized that it was starting to kind of stink a little bit and kind of smell really rich, not run as good. You know, sometimes when the bikes are super rich, they don't quite get the gas mileage you expect, and they just don't run 100% Tioto Mentito. That's Italian for um, 99%. So anyway, yeah, I I knew something was up, and and I knew the performance was was lagging. I mean, it was just like getting like a puke shot of gas every time I'd get on roll on the throttle. It was just like barfing gas down into the into the through the carb, you know. And I think something happened with my um, I, I took the air filter out and I reached down into the th- the the tube there, you know, toward the like trying to finger the venturi basically, and I didn't even take it out to dinner first. And uh, basically, I had gas on my finger. And my drain, you know, it takes a, lot, a little bit of gas to fill up the air cleaner before the, the uh, hits the drain tube. So it's not like it was like a huge volume of gas rolling back out. But it was a little trickle, you know. It's like a little tear running down your cheek when you, uh, you're not full-on crying. And so, yeah, I kind of figured something's going on with the float, you know. My, I, I, that was my first guess is like the float, something's like sticky or like... You know, I don't know. I just need to take it apart. I haven't, I haven't taken apart that carb and cleaned it forever just because no need to. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So now it's starting to get a little bit broke. So I took it up, took it apart, checked the float. Everything looked okay. I did kind of like actuate it somewhat and I blew some air through the passages, made sure everything was flowing fine. Got a little weird judder on the, uh, the, um, choke lever when I, when I put some, Excuse me, can't talk right now. When I shot some air down through, you know, through the petcock, the choke lever started to judder a little bit, and I thought, that's kind of weird. So, at any rate, it didn't seem to have any effects. The seals all appeared to be good. I probably need to replace them at some point soon, though. And uh, I just did it a couple years ago. Um, on the I rebuilt the petcock, so I don't know. You know, that stuff, when you're dealing with gas and shit like that, shit tends to just, like not last forever and eventually you do need to clean shit out so i blew some air through there checked the uh, float level made sure everything looked like it was operating good filled it back up with a little bit of gas started the motor everything seems fine so i don't know hopefully i just need a little clear out and you know i didn't exactly adjust the float uh level but i kind of did mess with it actuate it make sure like nothing was sticky in there it's like sticking it open or anything like that so Yahoo, baby, it fixed it for now, and we'll see if it keeps doing it. So I've only ridden it a couple times since then. So that was cool. I also started to, I welded up my kickstand, which I've had on my to-do list for like 45 years now, just because um, it broke I broke off the like little flat. It was just like a hammered tube, right? It's like a round tube that had been hammered into a duckbill at the end and like rounded off on a, on a sanding belt or something so i mean that's that's like 1980s factory bullshit right there a lot of times you see frame tubes hammered together and like welded over and weird shit you ought to cut apart a volkswagen bug once in a while and not the actual body panels but you know like the weird shit like the seats or some of the steering wheels dash like weird weird shit that they they used to do back there a lot of old stuff did that just hammered round shit flat weld it together just leave it call it a day so at any rate you know my the tip broke off and it's just been like a a straight cylinder sticking down there with like a little vestige of of the flat 
foot part that stuck out. So I thought, I probably need that pretty soon. I'm going to tip over sometime in the dirt or do something dumb. And uh, I don't know, it's kind of jagged on there anyway. I forget even how it broke off. I, I just one day I came home and I think I stuck it on the side and snappity boop boop. I had uh, been up and down 3,000 times over, you know, I did a bunch of rides over the course of the last first part of this year. So I just throwing it down and slacking it out a few times, just weakened it. So I welded the big ass piece of plate down there on the bottom. Not only does it give me a good footprint for sticking it in the dirt, but it also hopefully won't be one of those things where if there's hot asphalt, it sinks in or, you know what I mean? Like I try to think, I try to do a little bit of forward thinking on this thing. If I'm going to be welding a new foot onto that baby, make it thick, make it a little bit bigger than just, you know, little smelly tubes sticking out there. Speaking of smelly tubes, no, let's not speak of smelly tubes right now. But anyway, so there's still a couple things that I may not get to in this show just because this is going to be a short show. Like I said, recording at 11 o'clock at night, who the fuck does that? What, Conan O'Brien, Jimmy Kimmel? Hells no, those guys record during the day. They only play it at night. Come on. So... Anyway, I got a couple things down here that uh, I wanted to talk about. Part of them, you know, stuff that's... uh, Let me just get the stuff out of the way right up front. That's coming up this weekend because that's what's going to be real exciting. If you're some sort of nerd or comic book fan and uh, you live down in San Diego, L.A., let me see, where do people come from? I guess all over the world now that there's airplanes that can fly you to an airport. uh, Comic-Con's going on in San Diego. And if you didn't know, I posted it up on our Facebook page a while back, and I may have mentioned it, but the Mad Max run is going to be happening this Saturday. Let me get them details for you real quick. I'm back, baby, and here they are. So the uh, San Diego Moto Girls on Saturday, July 23rd at 3 p.m. are going to have an epic ride through downtown San Diego and into Comic-Con. Uh, kickstands up. It looks like it's going to be happening. Well, they're going to tell you. What you're going to do is you're going to meet at 3 p.m. at Kindred, which is probably some sort of witchcraft and coffee shop or some shit like that. You know, they always blend two fucking things together. Books and coffee, motorcycles and coffee, witchcraft and coffee, whatever. What the fuck? So you're going you're gonna to join at Kindred for food and drinks, and then everyone who's going to participate is going to hop in the bike or the car and head to the convention center. So it doesn't give you like a kickstands up time, but it does say that it's going to run from between 3 and 5. So who the fuck knows? At any rate, post-apocalyptic gear, clothing, and style is mandatory. Don't cruise up on your brand new fucking Bonneville with like, you know, I don't know, uh whatever don't do it all right don't do that dumb shit you gotta look like you fucking rolled out of an apocalyptic wasteland in australia which i don't know i i don't know where any other uh mad max movies have been like filmed or supposed to have happened so maybe that is like just australia maybe they're just making a movie in australia and that's just what it looks like you know mad max who knows Although when I talked to Dan from Australia and a couple other listeners like Chris from Australia, it kind of sounded like Australia is pretty much just like, you know, New York or L.A. with like a bunch of Utah and New Mexico in between. I don't know. At any rate, if you're going to be doing that ride, look the part. Don't cruise in on your brand new stinking Indian Springfield or some shit like that and looking like a douchebag. And if you just look like a douchebag, I am sorry. So... I look like a douchebag. Hell, I am a douchebag. <laughs> Another thing that's going on this weekend is the Lost 
highway. Like, uh, I guess it's basically like a motorcycle fest slash concert. Um, it kind of looks like I, I was, I don't know, kind of confused about it because it kind of looked like it was maybe like a country concert. But then I seen they, they're going to have uh, Social D is going to be there. Um, which is a social downshift. Oh, no, no, wait, social distortion. Uh, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club's going to be there. Uh, Fog Hat's going to be there. Um, if you know face-to-face, they're going to be there. Chevy Metal is going to be there. Chevy Metal is basically like Steel Panther meets Hazy Dixie, you know, sort of thing. It's like rockers, you know, they do like country covers in rock and roll, sort of. Um, who else is going to be there? I never heard of Tony Joe White or Colt Ford. Um, they're going to be there. Tyler Farr, never heard of him. Or Brantley Gilbert, never heard of him. But the Eagles of Death Metal are going to be there. And, you know, I really dig the Eagles of Death Metal, and I really dig Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. I would go just to see those guys. But the Eagles of Death Metal, man, they were playing the Bataclan last year. Was it last year? Shit, was it 2014? No, it had to be last year. When the Paris attacks happened, the Paris terror attacks, and uh, I was super bummed out. I'm glad those guys made it away uh, safely, and they're around to help play, and, you know, that they lived through something super shitty like that and, and still made it. So I was like, man, you know, when when you see them playing again, now you're like, I got to go see this shit because, listen, man, there may not be another time. You know, if they're going to be touring Europe again and all the shit that's happening over there, you may not get a second chance. So. Just like when I see Nirvana, you better do it before uh, something happens. Also going to be at Lost Highway, I just learned. uh, See, I've been looking at Lost Highway from like a music and motorcycle show perspective. I just saw that there's going to be some Rolling Sands flat track racing there. And so there is going to be like some motorcycle action. I knew there was going to be a show, but now it appears there's going to be some activities, probably some vendors, uh, some stuff like that. So... Something to keep in mind as you check out Lost Highway. One more thing that's happening in the L.A. area. If you are up here, um, you're familiar with FAFT, little FAF day, the FAFSA, which is the uh, financial aid, the free financial aid. Oh, shit. Is it 11 o'clock? Why did I start recording so late? At any rate, FASTDates.com, they are basically a pinup girl calendar that, you know, they used to do sport bikes and shit they do they do a lot of stuff anyway you can get you can get a lot of uh, fast date calendars that has a whole bunch of different you know what are they called genres and so this weekend there's going to be a show at the sagebrush cantina in calabasas sagebrush cantina in and of itself is pretty legendary i guess it's sort of like the uh, buffalo chip of um california i don't know if that's correct or not but you know I've heard a lot of shit going down there. But anyway, this is a benefit to fight cancer. Also, you get to see some calendar girls and some pretty sweet bikes. There's going to be a bunch of custom builders up there and exhibitors and, of course, calendar girls. It, like, Did I already mention that it benefits cancer? So it's for a good cause. But you also get to see a bunch of sweet custom bikes, hear a couple of local musicians, and see some really cool builders. And I believe I read somewhere that Shinya is going to be up there, who is a local to me builder. Also, Richard Pollock from Mule Motorcycles, who does some of the f- most bitchin' trackers you're ever going to see. Uh, he was a local to me back when I lived down in San Diego. And let me see who else I can see. Ron Sims is going to be there. Jim Guifra 
and his spokes models, AFT Customs, Chris Redpath, MotoGP Works, Sam Cow, JSK Custom Design, um, Adrian Packett with Canyon Motorcycles, and Russian, Russell Mitchell with Exile Cycles. Um, let me see. Kaylin Seniak with Imagine Vehicles International. Which actually, if you look at, hmm, if you look at my the website creative dot writing dot com, I took a picture of uh, IVI, which is Imagine Vehicles International's bikes, their Moto Guzzi Beach Cruiser. Dude, that thing was fucking incredible. They do all sorts of cool shit like cafe racers. That you know that bike concept was pretty cool. Um, it, it, they are like top notch design and shit like that. So that'd be cool just to go there and see them. So that's a few of the people that's going to be there. Uh, plus, there's going to be lots of food. I if you go to fastdates.com you're going to see a bunch of cleavage and butt and that's because there are a heck of a lot of different pinups that go there so they're all going to be there um hopefully they're going to have clothes on because um otherwise i think you're at the wrong kind of party so at anyways at any rate i should say uh yeah go check that out it's going to be pretty freaking sweet it's just like born free but for like the major builders where the reason i like born free is for a little bit more like underground indie builders and shit like that. So, yeah, at any rate, Sagebrush Cantina, that's going to be kicking off. What else is happening this weekend? Hmm, what's happening? Oh, yeah, my anniversary. That's right. And something else that's not happening this weekend, but you better get your ass in gear if you plan on taking part in this, is the Deus Biker Build-Off Boundless Enthusiasm Bike Build-Off 2016. Um, I'll probably stick a link to this. Uh, somewhere on the website or maybe on Facebook, probably both. Anyway, the Deus Balanced Enthusiasm Bike Build-Off, September 24th and 25th. So it's actually not that far away. You know, you got a couple months. I believe I talked to, when I was talking to Mark uh, Dugali, if you remember from episode 18, he had entered one of his little bikes. I think it was the Blemmy he entered in there. And I think a 14-year-old kid won it. And it was him and his dad. I, t- I read that story. That was amazing. Him and his dad uh, lived in this warehouse. He couldn't. He's not you know even eligible to ride it yet. Since I think you got to be like eighteen now to ride, uh, get your license. I don't know. It's been a while since I got my license. Sixteen, eighteen, something like that. Anyway, this fourteen-year-old kid won it, and he built a sweet cafe racer with his dad. And so anybody can enter. There was wow, like twenty bikes. I want to say there wasn't very many uh, at the. Um, the one down here in the, at the LA store. So at any rate, you know, you got a good chance. I think they take the best of Sydney, LA, Milan, Tokyo, and Bali, which is basically where all the Deus head, you know, Deus has like a little outpost in each one of those locations. You get a shirt, uh, when you enter, I believe that probably costs 50 bucks. My qu- here's a question I have and, and not to, take anything away from the the bikes that Deus puts out the builders you know and the people that you know enter this sort of stuff and the sort of stuff they support okay not to take away any of that but did did, did Deus become like the next Ed Hardy I remember when 
at one point, I think Ed Hardy was cool. I never, you know, and, and the R-U-C-A stuff. I don't even know if people know what that stands for. My buddy that was in the film industry told me what it stands for, but I'm not going to say because if I, I think most people don't know. It's like affliction, you know, like and Bad Boy Club or all that shit that people wear and they don't have any idea what where it came from or what it means. I feel like that's how Deus is now. It's becoming, it truly has transcended into like the hipster thing and and i feel like it did that a couple years ago actually i'm i'm reporting this now uh hey something else like saying motorcycles have two wheels (laughs) you know like a little bit late to the game with that info bro but i just feel like i saw that they said here that the shirt's probably worth like 50 bucks and it's a fucking t-shirt i i would not pay 50 dollars for a t-shirt hell i hardly would pay 20 dollars for a t-shirt so i have so i can't say i would never but uh Damn, that's a lot of money for a t-shirt in my in my opinion. One last thing real quick. If you're in San Francisco, check out the Sisters Ride. It ends up there this weekend. Bye. So there you have it. That's a couple of things happening in this area. If you have stuff going on in your area, please feel free to email them to the show. Stick them up on our Facebook. We'll give them a mention. We'll give them a shout out. Okay. Hey, there's something other quick I want to talk about, and that is accuracy. I know that I'm not always accurate. And I listen to a hell of a lot of other podcasts where people are not accurate whatsoever. And it, you know, I like to be accurate. I'm not a newscaster or anything, so I don't, you know, vet every single thing that I that I see online. And it's hard to report on stuff when you're getting them from secondary and tertiary sources yourself. And I do misspeak. Uh, if you've ever heard me say stock versus squares, sometimes I'm in the mode. I'm reading a bunch of notes. I got a bunch laid out in front of me. I'm trying to hit like a time frame on this and not take forever to blab because, you know, I can do that. And I just start, I say stuff, even when I'm reading books, sometimes I'll misread something and I'll just keep going. And it, you know, it really, it doesn't affect the the big picture, but sometimes you do get in there and there's like little details that, you know, some the, the, the sum of the parts is the details. So I, I apologize for that. I've heard a bunch of, like I said, podcasts speak recently and make a bunch of mistakes like that where they kind of misspeak or say something weird and it bugs me. So I'm going to try and do it less and less and less. And another thing that bugs me is generalizations. So two things that I do all the time bug me. So I guess I'm not going to have a podcast anymore. <laughs> if you'd like to apply for a position at Producers Creative Writing Podcast, go ahead and email your CV to creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Yes, we're looking for hosts, we're looking for producers, looking for people to take over this show that don't make generalizations and don't misstate the facts. But it happens to the best of us. So I was listening to a podcast and they were somebody had said that, you know, and I'm not a huge Harley guy, but somebody said that the Sportsters, blah, 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 not, you know, it's a Sportster, they're all the same, blah, blah, blah. You know, the the only reason that that bugs me is because I work with Harley all the time and they are definitely not the same. And that's one thing that bugs me when somebody says, hey, what do you have? Oh, I got a Harley. Like you're supposed to know, you know, some, if you're not a motorcyclist or you're not a Harley person, you'll be like, eh, okay, what does that mean? That's like saying, oh, I have a Triumph. Everyone might assume that you mean the Bonneville or the new, you know, Speed Twin or something like that, or that you might mean like an old Scrambler, a Thruxton. Like, what do you mean? That's my point. What do you mean when you say you have a Triumph? Because it could also mean that you have a Rocket 3 and you're a total cruiser guy and you could get along with the Harley dudes. 
or you could like fulfill that picture that everybody has of like a big, you know, giant cruiser motorcycle when they ask you, are you, what do you ride? Or you could have a Daytona or a street triple. You know what I mean? You could have a street fighter, a fucking bike that they race. You know, Triumph makes a lot of shit. And they even have had sport bikes for quite some while that were rather large displacement. You know, like the one that I saw that I thought was a Hayabusa because I'd never seen it before. And so it depends. Like, okay, so don't just say every bike's the same, right? So the other thing is, is if you say, oh, okay, well, I've got, let's, you know, on the Triumph, you say I got a Bonneville. Okay, that puts you in the, you know, ballpark of what what people want to know so basically when you say you have a harley and you say oh okay well then there's like 80 bajillion different models so you say oh i got a i got a sportster and that's cool people can be like oh okay cool you got a sportster but to me that's not cool because when you go look at a sportster you have shit like at least eight different ones i mean at one point they had how many sportsters let me think i'm trying to think back on the fly which is not very reliable or very good and I don't like when people misspeak, so I'm not going to do that. But I, I do remember at one time they had quite a few Sportsters at one time. At, you know what I'm saying is during in one model year. And, you know, for instance, this year, if you look up the Sportster, I'm looking it up right now. Let me tell you how many they have. Wow, this is totally crazy. I was just on Harley Davidson's website this morning, and they just literally have updated the site. Well... <laughs> Since I've been on it, when I refresh my page, guess what? Different. So they don't show you the 2015 models anymore, but they're showing for 2016, they got seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yes. And the Roadster was like a mid-year. So they've dropped a couple over the years, added a few. You know, they do that with every single thing. But the thing is, the Sportsters, they got fucking seven different ones and that's just sportsters i don't want to get into the tourings because they have a bajillion of those but let's just say you know you roll up on someone and they say they got a sportster well dude do you have the super low or do you have the roadster because those are like two completely different looking bikes super low is an old school looking uh you know basic standard bike you know standard motorcycle that looks like it could date back to the 60s the roadster has low bars it's up higher it's like probably the highest stance uh bike that harley's got right now it's got a bobbed fender well a chopped fender really inverted forks you know dual disc brakes not all the sportsters have dual disc brakes the only thing you can say about the sportsters is that they all have the belt on the right hand side and all the other harleys have the belt on the left hand side like that's pretty much the only thing the sportsters have in common so then let's look at the super low 1200t dude that's got bags and a windshield and it kind of looks more like a honda shadow or something you know what i mean and the 48 that thing's got the bars underneath kind of looks like the roadster that's been slammed uh but with a little bit higher handlebars uh and I, did i say the bars underneath i meant the the mirrors underneath the bars you know what i mean and it's all pretty much blacked out you know the tank is the only color on that thing everything else is black pretty much so you can't say that and then the 72 looks like literally a throwback to 1972 it's got white walls with spoked wheels the custom looks totally different you know the custom has like big fat it's got like the fat bobber sort of look that's kind of in that's kind of waning right now with the big old fat chunky tires and the cast wheels and shit the iron 883 is basically sort of like the 48 but lowered back when they used to have the nightster the iron was the baby of the nightster so i mean you you got more of a rake than the roadster um but 
you know, you sit kind of down in it where the Roadster, they're lifting it up so you sit on top. So the Iron 883 basically is like a Yamaha Bolt sort of, you know what I mean? And it's got some pretty bitching wheels on it. It's got a big ass front tire. So you can't say I have a Sportster because nobody knows what the fuck that means. You know what I mean? Like it's, it just bugs me when people talk about what they have. Apparently, if you're talking to somebody that's not in the motorcycle game, you might be able to get away with that shit. But I want to know. I don't want you to just tell me you got a Sportster. Because then on top of that, you got some, you know, what do you have? You have some accessories, especially if you got like a Harley, especially even if you got a Honda. They have a shit ton of accessories for that shit. You know, OE, I'm talking. Aftermarket, everything's got, you know, everything's got, um, pardon me. Uh, accessories. So I, I, I hate that. And then the Dinas, same sort of shit. The Street Bob, Street Bob kind of looks like a 72 Sportster. Lowrider, that looks kind of like Sportster Custom. You know what I mean? So I just, I don't know. It's just when you, when you see the shit, they got way bigger engines. The Lowrider S is about the baddest ass looking uh, Dyna, except for the Fat Bob. You know, the, I like the I like how they kind of redid the fat bob, and I like the dual front lights. But the wide glide, that thing's been around forever. That looks like a throwback to the '60s. The switchback, that looks like a fucking soft tail. You know what I mean? Because it it kind of is modeled after a soft tail. It's got the fat front end, saddlebags, and windshield. So you got a Dyna. Okay, you got a Dyna. Are you mean mugging and cruising hard because you got a street bob? Or are you cruising like an old grandpa because you got the switchback? I want to fucking know this shit. Don't just tell me I have a I have a Harley, I have a Triumph, I have a Honda. Like if you say Honda, oh okay. Well, you're are you cruising around on a fucking F six B bagger, you know, or are you cruising around on a CRF two fifty L? Tiny, you know, the littlest adventure bike you can buy. I want to know. Don't just say I got a Honda. Don't just say I got a Harley. Don't just say I got a Triumph. That's one thing that super bugs me about people that ride and people that kind of misspeak and say that things are all the same. That'd be like if I said, oh, yeah, all, all Yamahas are the same. So the fucking V-Star Tour and the R1 are the same, you know, like it's stupid to say stuff like that. And I've been hearing it more and more and more and more. People are saying electric motorcycles are the same. People are saying this brand is the same and it's ignorant. It's ignorant, man. So the only thing that's the same is ignorance about stuff. That just proves to me that, you know, and I'm saying this as like a warning to myself because I know I misspeak and I make generalizations all the time. I'm calling myself out on it. Don't do that anymore. But I definitely don't do it when it comes down to the details of stuff like that. So hopefully in the future, you will hear no more from me generalizations about shit. You know, you can say, yeah, it's a it's a blank style bike. It's an ADV style bike. It's an off-road style bike. It's a scrambler style bike. That's that's fine. But if you just say, oh, yeah, he's got a, a blankety blank. He's got a Honda Tourer. Okay, well, dude, is it... <laughs> Is it the NM4? Because then it should just be blown up. Or is it a Goldwing with the airbag? You know what I mean? Or are we talking adventure tour? So don't just say don't just say that shit anymore. All you crazy podcasts out there. Muff Jerry Rod's gonna get you. I need more cocaine. I'm going off the rails. I can't believe I grew hair there. You're charging me what for this motorcycle? And then I says to her, hey baby, that's leather.
All right, well, we're back. It's one o'clock in the morning. I just had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Don't worry. I drank six Mountain Dews, and now my brain is fried, so we're back on track. So one thing I wanted to mention that I read recently in uh, Industry Rag was the AIM Expo, October 13th through 16th, 2016. What's new about it? Well, it surpassed 300 exhibitors uh, for the upcoming show, and they've confirmed some people. It's still not as many as, you know, like Long Beach and I think New York gets, uh, but there's BMW, Can-Am, Hyson, Honda, Kawasaki, Kimco, uh, SSR slash Benelli, and Suzuki, and Yamaha. Th- those are some of the OEMs that are going to be there. Of course, if you go to some of the bigger shows like like Long Beach, and I, I'm, I'm guessing New York, for some reason, everybody likes to debut new shit at New York after the Long Beach, uh, is, you know, here we see Triumph, Ural, uh, what do we get? We get a lot of the other people. Oh, God, now that I said that, I can't think of who we get. Last year, Triumph, Ural, Royal Enfield, uh, Harley-Davidson, of course. Who didn't they mention? Kawi, Kimco, Suzuki, Yamaha. Uh, that's pretty much all the big ones. We also get Ducati. Usually there's like an Aprilia uh, and sometimes a Bimota, depending on if they're open, <laughs> if they're making motorcycles that year or not. Of course, the Ducati Scramblers all have their own thing. Oh, yeah, we have KTM that usually pops up. And uh, that's about all that I can think of off the top of my head right now. But, you know, so at least AIM Expo is growing. As you know, I think the MIC took it over. I reported on that. And so it sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. 300 vendors and exhibitors this year. That's pretty good. I mean, for their, what, fifth year? Is this going to be fifth year? I think so. So it's pretty exciting to see it grow in four or five years. This might even be just the fourth year of it. Uh, I should do what I say I like when people do. Go back and check my info from October when I was... (laughs) talking and be very thorough with my facts and i'm sorry right there for talking like william shatner i don't know what came over me so one more thing i wanted to talk about with all these custom bike shows and stuff coming up and custom builders and whatnot and all these great things happening in the motorcycle community and just having been to a great show like Born Free 8, having something really cool like the Fast Dates come up and the Lost Highway thing coming up, I really wanted to mention something that I've noticed, and that is the fact that for the longest time, every time you read about brand and branding, Honda has stuck out there because of the reliability and the fact that they don't take you know huge risks and they don't make... Aside from the NM4, I can't believe they, they put that thing out, but they don't make... Well, let me let me retract what I'm saying here. Let me go back in time. I'm about to go on a tangent right here, so let me do that real quick. I'll get back to the custom shit. Honda has made some really stupid stuff. The DN01, the NM4, the Honda Fury, they're still selling that, but come on, that was a pretty bad thing. The Rune, that was a pretty big piece of shit. And then they've made some really awesome stuff that they never released yet. The Bulldog, please, come on, guys, what the hell? And all the other plethora of bikes that, that came out, like the Shinden and all the stuff that's actually out there, skunk work and floating around somewhere that Honda hasn't put out. Please, come on, dudes, for real. But anyway, tangent over, I'll keep it short. Getting back to the branding and having kind of, you know, talked about Harley just a second ago, I want to talk now about the the images that bike companies have. Now, Honda, follow the leader. You know, Honda has won a lot of stuff. Honda's done really good over the years as far as their racing programs. If you follow MotoGP, you'll notice that there's a little dude named Marquez that's been winning everything since 2014 when he hit the circuit. 
well, when he when he went moved up to the GP class, and a lot of shit. JCR Johnny Campbell Racing had dominated Baja and off road racing. A best in the desert, like every desert series for a long time on his Hondas. They're really good trials bikes, actually. They make, uh, Honda owns a couple companies. I believe they own Gas Gas and stuff like that, where, you know, just top of the line trial stuff. I don't think you'll find anybody that would put down, uh, one of the Honda STs or now the VFRs, you know what I mean? The, the VFRX, especially. And Honda's got this reputation and people like Honda because of the winning that they do at the events that they compete in and they build you know bikes that don't take risks that are really well engineered and last a long ass time you know the gold wing if it wasn't for harley davidson's brand image i don't think they would be in first place over honda and so basically you have have stuff like that where you, you got branding issues everybody talks about harley you can look up a hog blaster to me, a hog blaster is a fucking gun that you use to kill pigs in Arkansas. But if you go on Harley's PNA website and check out a hog blaster, it's like a little vacuum slash like air blower that you detail your bike with. All right. So, I mean, they sell everything. They sell fucking cup holders, bandanas, so much shit's licensed. I, you know, had a former relative working there when my son was born. He got him some Harley Davidson plush tools for little babies to chew on. And it was so cute. And his little. Uh, Beanie was super cute and his little Harley onesie was so cute. But you know what? Like, that's the thing. You can buy dog food bowls for your dog, collars for your dog, everything Harley, everything, everything, everything. Now, why is that? And it's because of the the brand. And if you were like a Harley owner during the 80s, you know, everybody can get loyal to a certain brand because they like the way the bikes make them feel. They like the way the bikes run. That's why Suzuki is even still in business is because people really like Suzuki's and the fun shit you can do on them, the av- availability of parts, you know what I mean? Shit like that, aftermarket parts, OE aftermarket shit, you know, factory accessories, blah, blah, blah. But if you're going for a brand... Like, literally, Harley-Davidson sells more shit than any motorcycle company that is not motorcycle-related. And we're talking nowadays, like, tattoos and haircuts and shit, because they have that shit in some of their dealerships. So, you know, when you're a motorcycle company that can sell a haircut, fucking bravo, you know? So, people people going to Harley for the brand image, all the shit that you can buy, whether it's, like, a toy or... Like I said before, a dog collar that says Harley on it, whatever the fuck you want, you can get it. So that reminds me of why people like to customize this shit. And it's because it kind of goes hand in hand. When you're doing a brand, hand in hand with that is what you can do with that brand. And I know part of it is wearing their shit, wearing their Harley underwear and socks and all that shit. But also the P&A catalog, when, when we're talking about parts, is actually pretty in fucking incredible and the aftermarket for harley davidson since you know the the brand has grown up around the image is just incredible i mean you go anywhere and you can probably you know even jc whitney i think has like a harley specific catalog so and now with stuff like the the vintage scene coming back on strong people were like cafe racers from the 50s now they're getting into like Harley shit from the 60s and 70s. You know, pretty soon, like I said, it'll be movie bikes and sport bikes from the 80s and sidecars. But right now we're in this huge chopper bobber brat scene right now. 
and it's eclipsing the cafe and tracker scene that was coming on for a while. And so it's even blowing up even further. And all these old Harleys now are just becoming way overpriced, kind of like a Honda CB750 did about five years ago, where you used to be able to scoop them up, let's say, eight years ago or 10 years ago for like 600 bucks because that's what they were worth. And now you're paying like $3,800 for them. And even more, like, you know, 8000 bucks if it's actually done and ready to go. But you're paying like 3500 for a piece of shit that's in someone's yard that's not even titled. Boom! That's what's happening with these old Harleys. So, something that the other companies have always struggled with, you never see anybody, like, pimping their, like, Yamaha bandana because they ride, like, a big old gigantic uh, V-Star or Royal Star. You know, these huge bikes that have, some of them have bigger engines than Harleys, you know what I mean? Harley's, the CVOs are coming on with 110s, and that's about the biggest uh, Screaming Eagle motor you can get right now. So most of the Harleys just upped it to 103 a while ago. And it's funny because before that, they were at 96. I'm talking about cubic inches here. And you look at some of the Yamahas and Suzuki Boulevards and shit like that, and they had way bigger motors than that out of, you know, from the get-go a long time ago. But you don't see anybody talking about motor size and like reliability you know i'm going throwing back to what i said earlier about if you if you like a brand you stick with them through the through the good times and the bad so harley in the 80s just total pieces of shit that fell apart and even harley owners knew it but they wouldn't get rid of them if you're like a super super harley uh oriented person because that's the image and that's what i'm talking about this whole brand image thing so basically why the other brands are struggling honda you know, they're super reliable, but they're not a bad boy bike. And if you look at the Fury, it's like a stinking cartoon. It's like when you're, when you're watching a cartoon or, or like you see your kids and then some show, the guy's riding a motorcycle and it looks like a totally stupid fucking drawing. And you're like, oh my God, that's how I feel like the Fury looks to somebody that's into choppers and cruisers. This is like, dude, somebody got a computer out and drew a chopper in like Microsoft Paint and then they made it. You know, like the Fury is just way too clean and not edgy enough. And so some of the reason that people struggle with brand or with sales is because of brand image. And that's why Harley has remained on top above Yamaha. And it's a it's the, the reason that BMWs have a reputation for expensive dudes at Starbucks driving them and stuff like that. So what does all this have to do with anything? Like, I'm just talking, blabbing, rambling, having a great old time talking to myself right now. And hopefully you haven't fallen asleep yet. And hopefully you've agreed with some of what I said. But the thing is, Yamaha, of all the companies, of all the Jap companies, here comes Yamaha. And they have had, since 2013, when the Bolt was introduced, a biker, a Bolt biker build-off. you got to go back and check out some of the stuff. I have actually... I got some stuff way back when, during, after the first one and stayed tuned for the second one. I really didn't see one for 2016, and they probably had one. I just was not aware of it. I'd been really busy with actual working on motorcycles rather than just, like, checking out the shit that, that's happening with it. So, um, what basically, the Bolt Biker Build-Off is that they they take a bolt and a lot of times they'll give them to some custom uh places like Roland Sands, uh Pelegi Designs. Who else got one that was really good? I think the Nessas got one maybe. But but there was actually some uh builders that got them the first year and now it's a lot of dealerships. So the dealerships go out of their their 
accessory catalog or they might make some shit the ones that look bitching they've made them you know so you got a dealership with not just some chump but it's a dealership that has like real motorcycle fanatics and fabricators working there and they make some pretty bitching shit so yamaha has been doing that with the bolt the biker the bolt build-offs they also have this faster sun's yard built uh, concept bikes and i'm telling you what's honda suzuki kawasaki kimco Fucking, of course, we wouldn't expect it from KTM um, or maybe Ducati, you know what I mean? Or BMW, I guess, even though people take those older bikes and build them into cool shit. But Yamaha, for whatever reason, is having this just renaissance with their bikes right now. And if you check out their Faster Sons and Yard Built stuff, they are fucking tits looking bikes. And it's so, or if you're, if you're a lady, they are dicks looking bikes. And um, so, yeah, they, uh, I don't know. There's just something about Yamaha right now that's saying we're embracing this builder culture. We're the only ones really coming out with something to compete with the Ducati Scrambler right now with our SCR, which is based off a Bolt, plus the XSR, which is more along the lines of a Ducati Scrambler as far as like the displacement and the fact that it screams retro, even though it's modern components. See, the Ducati Scrambler is the same sort of thing. It doesn't look totally retro, but you can get kits for it. So the the XSR, same sort of thing. And people have already cafeed them out and scrambled them out and all this great shit. So Yamaha... Having the TW200 Suzuki finally stepped up with the Van Van, kind of kind of like a retro throwback to that, but we're not seeing like custom shit. So Yamaha is one of those companies that I see building not only superb bikes, and if you go to MotoGP and see who's been racing, everybody's favorite guy, even though he's not hasn't been that great recently, Valentino Rossi. Everybody's cheering for that guy since he's aging out and he's going to be retiring soon. But he's been on a Yamaha forever. Won a lot of championships on Yamaha. Jorge has been uh, winning lots of stuff. I remember when he first came up, you know, just that whole deal with them and how he's kicked ass on a Yamaha over the years. Yamaha has been doing pretty damn well in Moto America and does really well in uh, Super or uh, not Superbike, and and motocross and and supercross and all that stuff. So they're just one of those companies that has been doing well, has sort of like the Honda, a reputation for stuff, you know, and they're they're also in the like side-by-side and utility vehicle market. So a lot of farmers and shit are using their stuff and like saying, oh yeah, this works really good. And these quads that I can use on the farm, plus bust through some trees when I have a day off, like these things are working really well. So they're, they're gaining that reliability that Honda has. And I think that Yamaha has always been pretty legendary for the people that have ridden for them and stuff like that. So it's really exciting to see that. But it's also exciting to see that they are coming on with, you know, the DT concept that came out at uh, last year, the Dirt Tracker. Dude, that's like right up front with like the trend that's happening right now. And they're like full on into it. And people have been winning, you know, hopefully they start getting a little bit more into Dirt Track where like right now Harley and Kawasaki have been making a lot of headlines you i bet you didn't know that like ducati and triumph and a bunch of other suzuki and yamaha even run uh in dirt track you know what i mean and they race their 650 or 750 motors and stuff like that um you know the ninja 650 motors is what brian smith uses and the ducati i forget what the, what motor they run but you know the triumph like 675 all these motor ba- you know based let's say based they're in there so 
Yamaha is the only one of those guys that's on every single level with all these other manufacturers in all those different areas that I just talked about. But now, for the past few years, they've been having this faster sons and yard built shit. And so I think that Yamaha is actually probably the person that is like modeling their brand for expansion the best. And we might see if people didn't love Honda so much and like gobble up the shit that they poop out. They, I think Yamaha would be right there because they're they've been putting out some pretty pretty trick shit. And then when the R1 came out, you couldn't deny that it looked like no other bike that was out. You know, with those little tiny, it looked like Yoda the front end. You know, and now they come out with the FZ10, which also looks like no other bike that's out right now. It's super like crazy. Looks like Chappie or like that little prawn guy from uh, District Nine. It just they're 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 st- like just moving up. I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. I could, I could say the same thing that I just said for the last 10 minutes over and over again because it's just it's what I see happening right now. Speaking of the FZ10 or the MT10, if you're in another country, went to check that out, one of my coworkers, uh, the other day. And that thing for 13000 US uh, seems like it should be priced right around the 10000 you know, $999, maybe, maybe $10,900. It is pretty plasticky. It looks pretty plasticky. I I didn't have a problem with this, but the the guy that uh, at my work that went to check it out too he didn't like okay the radiator. You know most bikes, whether they're naked or not, the radiator has some little sort of shroud that sticks down there. And on the and this one's shaped like the BMWs. It's a triangular shroud that like is supposed to scoop as much air as possible onto the radiator, right? And you need that, but the coolant tank is molded into one of those on the right side and then the left side is just you know just a plastic he had a problem with that i didn't really see a problem with that to be honest i thought it was kind of clever instead of having a big ass giant ugly coolant tank that's sitting out there a lot of them are white plastic and they're hidden behind a fairing and when you when you're a naked bike it's hard to hide that shit and so it i didn't really think it was that bad to be honest to kind of sneak it into a fairing like that. I thought that was pretty cool. However, when you go down, now you got to going to have coolant probably leaking out of there. He also didn't like how far and low the turn signals were cuz he's like, dude, when you go down, those are going to bust off now. And I was like, yeah, but you know, that on a lot of bikes that's true. But the the plastic on it, it does feel flimsy. And just like the VMAX, I the thing I didn't like about the VMAX a few couple generations ago was the fact that they had this you know, these air scoops on the side that look totally awesome, you know, like forced induction air scoops, just like an old hot rod, but they didn't do anything. And on this newest, the latest generation VMAX, they actually do. But the thing is, is that on the MT-10, they have these things attaching right to the fuel tank and they don't do anything. It's like, shit, that better be a toolbox because this thing's naked and there's like nothing anywhere else. Like that better be the fucking toolbox then if you're going to stick some big shit on the side of the tank that does nothing. Like it doesn't provide me an extra grip for my knee. It does not provide uh, intake for the air. To be honest, the intake comes in between the headlights kind of like a Honda CB. So... Yeah, I just was a little bit bummed about that. So they're going for this like crazy transformery style, which looks cool and all, but at the same time, 
it really doesn't serve a lot of function. And that's my thing is that when you have a naked bike and you have something that's really cool like that, I'd really like to see some function over form. And so, like I said, those things better be, you better be able to screw with them and and fabricate your own shit and put like tools because they bolt right to the tank. I don't know what would be in them. I can actually look what's in them, but I'm not going to tell you that because I keep work separate from uh, play, baby. But at any rate, I, yeah, it was just, it's interesting to see where they're kind of, in my opinion, kind of screwing up some of this stuff by, you know, basically by just making this thing try to try to look cool, make it out of shitty plastic, and then try to basically charge a lot, in my opinion, for it. When you're looking at like a Tenere, which is like all, you know, basically all go, no show, that thing's like 15, you know what I mean? So just a couple couple thousand more and you could have like a pretty viable off-road uh, adventure tour so i think the price point is a little high for the plastics that they used if you look at the tail section they have these little like air channels and stuff the swing arm actually looks forged but they still managed to put like this layered looking design on it so that every single thing on that bike looks like layers and layers and if you crash it i could only imagine how many fucking body panels it's going to take to repair you know it's not just going to be one side like a lot of bikes have like a side cover and then the whole tail section is like one half so if you fall down on the left side you pop that off pop a new one on you know what i mean and sometimes you don't have to mess with the center parts or the obviously the other side unless you have like a one-piece tail on this thing it's like you fall down on one side and you're going to need to replace about 50 panels you know what i mean it just it, it looks weird and like i said they don't they're not durable looking so it just looks like it's gonna cost a lot of money to you know be stupid on one of those things but they do look pretty bitchin' though. I have to say, I like the looks of them. I like the color schemes they chose. I like that they're bold and trying something new. That's all stuff that I think kind of aligns with what I said about Yamaha kind of stepping up and trying to make some waves in the Japanese motorcycle manufacturer for sure. And they might be stepping at Honda, uh, you know, stepping on Honda's tail, kind of getting this concept shit going out and getting some more custom builders and pretty soon knocking on Harley's door for some brand I mean, people won't be ashamed to wear their yamaha buff and leather jacket around at the harley shows i d- i doubt that but i'm just saying you know yamaha is going to be something that's going to be able to contend with like people like modus and shit that makes some pretty amazing looking custom bikes it's like yamaha's kind of headed there so all right that's all i had to say about that let's move on to something different and now for something completely different Where'd the music go? Oh, damn. Damn, dude. Right as I was getting in my groove there, the music stopped. That was a little bit embarrassing. But you know what? Maybe the thing we ought to talk about is wrapping up here and saying goodbye for this week. I know that it's been a short one, but if I don't get this out, you're not going to know where to do all these fun, cool things that are happening this weekend, the 23rd and 24th of July. And if I don't know if you heard me there scream in the middle, but the Sisters Ride is concluding this weekend, the 100th anniversary of the Henderson Sisters riding from Alabama to Florida. Hey, remember that part where I said I don't like when people misspeak and don't check their facts? It's called irony, dude. All right. At any rate, I hope you had a good time this week. I did too. 
And next week, my, my guest is supposedly arriving today, so maybe there will be a guest on the show next week, or maybe I'll be wanted for capital murder because <laughs> this person doesn't show up and I have to go strangle him or something. So at any rate, listen, I want to let you know you can find us on www.facebook.com forward slash creative writing podcast. If you've seen the news today, Facebook is launching a solar basically uh something some solar plane drone thing that runs on very little power and it's going to be able to bring connectivity to the world so yet again mark zuckerberg thank you so much for a solution to a problem no one asked so thanks for bringing connectivity to remote parts of the world and uh, providing scammers in those parts of the world access to the internet as well and people that really uh, haven't had to become addicted to something like technology and the internet now have the chance to assimilate and become like the rest of us and become phone zombies. All right, that ought to be sweet. Thanks, McFuckerberg. Also, look us up. <laughs> look us up on creative-writing.tumblr.com. You can find us on Twitter at creative underscore writer. We are on the interwebs somewhere on creative-writing.com. I think um, I did learn to send smoke signals, so if you see some, either the woods are on fire near your house, or I'm sending some smoke signals. And what else? I don't even know where we are anymore. We're like on so many so many things. Check us out on iTunes, Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Check us out on SoundCloud. Google Play Store, Ogcast Podcast, The Dog Catcher, The Ground Zapper. Uh, what's that other one? The really super important one. Podnet dot hashtag Russia scam. Yeah, check us out. Just look up Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast or look up Dipshit Who Doesn't Know What He's Talking About. I'll probably pop up, pop, poop up. I'll probably poop up in both instances or pop up. But anyway, that's our show. And I'd like to say thank you for everyone to sticking around this long. It is now four o'clock in the morning. Uh, technically, it's Friday, and I have to be at work in about 13 minutes. So, yeah. For all of our Harley listeners out there, keep your cockers above the rockers. Peace! Creative writing would like to say sorry to the following people and organizations. Harley Davidson Motors and Company, we're sorry. Honda Motorcorp, we're sorry. Yamaha, Suzuki, and Kawasaki Motors, we are sorry. Chuck Norris, we are sorry. Deus Ex Machina, not the concept, but the actual store. We are sorry. Deus Biker Build-Off, Fast Dates, Calendars, Lost Highway, and Sister's Ride, we are sorry. Hooligan Flat Track, Roland Sands Designs, and Jimmy Kimmel, we are sorry. Jimmy Fallon, Conan O'Brien. Apologies! Brian Smith, Jared Mees, uh, Davis Fisher, anyone who flat tracks, Corey Texter, The Triumph, Ducati Flat Trackers, Yamaha Flat Trackers, Kawasaki Flat Trackers, Harley Flat Trackers. Uh-oh, what am I missing? All the all the small displacement flat trackers? Oh, shit, sorry. Harley-Davidson Motor Company and Harley-Davidson Brand Incorporated, the motor clothes brand, and the LLC and all the licensing brand. We are sorry! My wife, I'm sorry for torturing you with the past 10 years of marriage. Are you ready to give up yet? Carburetors, we are sorry. 
jiggling valves and fingering venturis, we are sorry. Modus, rich fuel mixtures and Pikes Peak, we're sorry. Ford Explorers and Crown Victorias, we are sorry. Long Beach Swap Meet at the SoCalCycleSwapMeet.com, we are sorry. Anyone who was mentioned that we didn't realize we mentioned or maybe edited out, we are sorry. Lack of sleep, we are sorry. And boss, I'm sorry about tomorrow. I have to be to work in 13 minutes. And guess what? I haven't slept for the past three days. Mountain Dew, we're sorry. Cocaine, thank you. I suppose you want me to apologize for making you listen to the entirety of this show. Well, it's your own damn fault. See you next week. Bye. For 2016, they, oops, for 2016, in my thing, in my perspective, no, replay, I'm not going to repeat it, but I feel bear with me while I wait for my fucking internet. What the fuck? All of a sudden, computers don't like me and they start taking over. So they have, this is awful. I'm going to quit recording. Mm. So anyway, other news, I don't, you know. I woke in the minute, and then, and then one time I oh yes oh boy save that for the blooper reel. But oh, yeah. I said a word. I said something that sounded terrible when I listened to it. In um, what else? Speaking of Nirvana, I'll get into that a little bit later. I was gonna maybe I should just do like a better segue and not say hey man I was gonna talk about that later. But anyway, are you fucking serious that you don't think I could beat up Chuck Norris? Hey yeah. Oh, fuck you, man. Watch this. Yeah!